0: Welcome
1: back to the Big East Coast Podcast. It's February 1st, 2019. My name is Chris Novak, joined by Rob O'Neill. We've had an exciting week of Big East basketball go on, and that is leading us towards this weekend. Uh, A couple of premier matchups on the docket, including St. John's, trying to go two years in a row of beating Duke, but this time it'll be a little tougher because it's down at Cameron Indoor in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, But before we dive into everything, we're going to talk about a couple of things with one of our guests today, Rob. Is that not right?
0: Yes. We're uh, joined by Matt from uh, Big East Coast Bias, obviously. Um, also team speed Kills. Also team speed Kills. Uh, the he, site uh, that I've heard is pretty good. Both of our sites. Ran scents. by look decent at, people. Look at that. Um, yeah, but... Uh, Matt, thanks for joining us today.
2: Hey, no problem.
0: Um, you're uh, You're down in Arizona, right? That's got to be pretty nice around this time of year.
2: It's 76, the skies are clear, <laughs> Waste Management Open's kicking off, off, everyone's getting ready for the Super Bowl. Honestly, it's going to be a fun weekend, but I'm happy to be on the podcast today.
1: <laughs> um, it sure beats the Polar vortex. Oh,
2: yeah. Of, like, um, uh, um, oh, my God. It's I so yeah, it feel bad for anyone in Chicago. I really do. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, I mean, let's just dive right into the uh, St. John's Duke game coming up, because I mean, it really is one of the more important games kind of in the country, this weekend. Um, you know, the Red Storm obviously played very well in their original non conference slate. They went what, 12 and 1? 12 or, and Yeah, 12 they and 1 defeated. They did. They did they yes. Um, and, you know, I think everyone was kind of sold on them. And then Big East play rolled around and they've kind of had the same problems that they've had the past couple of years where uh, just inconsistent play has really plagued them in conference play. And, uh, you know, a chance to. Really turn some heads with a signature victory against Duke tomorrow. I
2: mean, the way I see it, uh, something I've always noticed when watching St. John's, they kind of have the same problem that Seton Hall always has, which is the first half or some small section of time, maybe even the first 10 minutes, they come out with a lot of energy and a lot of hustle. And then the moment that that happens, they kind of – just sputter somewhere. Some there's some sort of defensive lapse, and then <laughs> that immediate defensive lapse, they kind of sh- they start to struggle for an extended period of time. And whatever opposing team it is, whether it be Villanova or in this case, Duke, they just take oper- they just take that opportunity uh, front and center.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I I think that's definitely been something that you know has plagued them this year. I think uh, you know the non-conference schedule might not have been as good as. Yeah, it could have been, and that kind of helped them go twelve and zero as well. But of uh, yeah, I mean, it's not easy, obviously, to go to Cameron Indoor and win. But yeah.
2: you know, it, so, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, I feel like that's probably the toughest um, place that they could possibly play. I know for uh, I'm just looking at Ken Palm right now. I have the schedule pulled up for Duke. <laughs> uh, they have it rated like for Tears of Joy. It's a B rating already. Especially with the home game, I expect that the the fans will be there. I expect them to show up in force. And on top of that, just it'll be what? A a revenge game for Duke for sure, especially for Coach K after getting embarrassed in New York City.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, going to Duke and then going to Marquette is one of the tougher, you know, two game stretches any Big East team's going to have this year. Easily. And, uh, you know, you would think if St. John's wins both those games, they're probably in the tournament at this point. I mean, they'll be 18-5 and five with yeah. two road wins over mm-hmm. top 10 teams. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a tall order. Um, I think, you know, obviously Shamori Bonds have been playing well. They need more from everyone else, I think, is really the thing. And, uh, you know, they got more in non-conference play, and it just has kind of dissipated a little bit for them.
2: I think someone's just to look toward. You kind of have to look toward both uh, Marvin Clark, obviously Mikey Dixon's going to transfer, but I would look to Marvin Clark just to be that second big punch outside of Mustafa Haron, because obviously, like we said, all Shamori Pons has been carrying the load, but I think Marvin Clark has to step up, especially in this Duke game because he's probably going to be the guy who's tasked with uh, guarding Zion Williamson, which that in itself will be a great matchup. And even then, definitely St. John should be a tournament team. I'm looking at their schedule right now. Outside of um, DePaul and Butler coming up, both of which are going to be home. I believe both are going to be home games. If not, DePaul will be away. It's a very tough schedule. And if you know if they're able to pull off wins, uh, I believe, at Providence twice, and uh, even if they're able to slip away with one uh, at Villanova, with uh, Villanova coming to town, they should be able to... Uh, definitely make a tournament
1: now matt i'm looking at something that's actually catching my eye right now as i look at duke and all their Kempon profiles that they've had loaded up the worst finish that they've had in three-point percentage is back in the 2008-09 season when they finished 129th right now though they are 301st in the country they've only made 31.1 percent of their threes st john's meanwhile is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country do you think that this is something that St. John's could exploit or is, is the fact that Duke also ranks within the top 15 or so in three-point defense something that's going to possibly completely stalwart them? Because, I mean, quite frankly, there's a huge size disparity between both of these two teams in terms of length.
2: I definitely think St. John's should try to start uh, with <laughs> kick and pops and definitely uh, ball screens catch and shoot opportunities really early. To just try and see if they can exploit the defense. Obviously, as you said, uh, Duke is one of the best teams when it comes to defending uh, the three-point line in terms of their miscellaneous components. But they should definitely focus on packing the paint on defense and just trying to keep... I'm not saying you You should be throwing two bodies at Zion because you're opening up the ability for a drive and kick. What I am saying, though, is that you should be throwing your biggest guy on Zion and trying to keep him out of the post and definitely outside the paint area and forcing guys like R.J. Barrett and Trey Jones to shoot threes. If you could do that, I definitely think St. John's will be in the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um,
1: Now, now I know that um, no one really thought that they had a chance last year when they won, but do you think that with how things currently stand that St. John's has a shot to pull off the shocking upset tomorrow?
2: I really think it's going to come down to however the first shot looks, to be perfectly honest with you. Mm -hmm. If that first shot, like, it is a pick and pop, and uh, Duke fails to defend Shamori Pons, who will probably run it with Marvin Clark tomorrow. And that shot looks good. I think St. John's has a good chance. If it comes down to a contested three in the final seconds of the possession, I really think St. John's will probably struggle tomorrow because they won't be able to figure out the Duke defense quick enough.
1: Cool, cool. So transitioning across the Hudson, we talked about Shimori Pons, uh, one of the best players in the New York, New Jersey metro area. Let's talk about another player, Miles Powell, who had been sort of, I wouldn't say struggling, because he did score 24 against DePaul, but his shooting percentage was a little down. Uh, But he went off for 31 points in a victory over Providence that helped stop a four-game losing streak that Seton Hall was kind of mired in for a little bit. They lost four in a row. Five out of six. I uh, looked like their old January woes were resurfacing because I know that that was kind of a, a hallmark, a little an unfortunate hallmark for them early on after realignment happened. But um, why why don't we talk about um, Powell here? How big of a performance was that from him, just from a, a solo perspective, and then just something that he can help lift Seton Hall to victory
2: like that? It was definitely it was a good resurging <laughs> per, uh, performance, obviously. I honestly, I'm extremely happy to see that because I have a lot of family that are Seton Hall alum. But the key thing is, once Miles Powell is back clicking, the rest of the Seton Hall offense just falls into place. I yeah. think he's the, he's the cornerstone for Seton Hall, one of the cornerstones in the Big East. Obviously, his shooting percentage was bad. I think he, he really needs to, to pick that up. But it was a great thing to see against Providence, especially after uh, losing f- – Four straight, one of which was actually at Providence and Marquette. So it's it's nice to see. It really is.
1: Yeah, and like like you had mentioned, you know, everything does fall into place. You look at the stat sheet and whatnot. There was only one other player who who got into double figures, Michael Enzi with twelve. That was actually, I believe, um, one of he actually I think it was yeah no it wasn't a season high. I believe he. He surpassed the amount of double-digit uh, double-digit games that he had this season, of from the amount that he had for his entire career. I had written about that in the recap, I believe. Yeah, that was that was it. He got into double figures for like either the tenth or eleventh time, and he had like ten career double-figure games before that. So, Nt certainly with Delgado and Sonogo gone, has been kind of stepping up late as a senior, and you do like to see that, especially um, given the fact that he's obviously getting more playing time and more burn.
2: I looked at I looked to him early on. I know I read this in my uh, preview. I looked to him and uh, Miles Powell to kind of be the leaders of this team. Um, Enzi with the ability, like he's been around since Isaiah Whitehead and Angel Delgado had mm-hmm. been there. So I looked to him to kind of help right the ship in any sort of way, even if he may not be the biggest contributor offensively. Definitely defensively in terms of of his character. He played he played a great game too. At the same time, he shot and he only only taking seven shots. He was able to also snag in eight rebounds, seven of them which are on the defensive end. And he only ever turned the ball over one time and he didn't foul, so he was always a factor in the game. I looked to him and I always looked to Quincy McKnight, who's been who transferred in. He has been a stud this entire season, even if it doesn't necessarily show up in the stat sheets. I always look toward the game when he put, when uh they played Kentucky. And when he was guarding Ashton Hagens, and for I believe almost Thirty minutes, he held Ashton Higgins to about zero points, the entire game. Quinton McKnight, <laughs> I think, has been the biggest factor, along with Enzi an and Miles Powell. Which that was one of the few things I had called in my preview that Miles Powell would be the man for this team.
1: So, on the topic of Seton Hall, staying here for one last question. So now they're four and five after they snapped their four-game losing streak. They have Butler, Creighton, Georgetown, Creighton again, and Xavier. That's a pretty favorable stretch for this team, considering how how those four teams are looking right now. Um, how who beyond Miles Powell and Michael Enzi are you looking to step up to try and see if they can, you know, pun intended here, right the ship and continue on, try and get above five hundred. I,
2: I really, I look to uh, two players. I look to Miles Kale specifically. He's mm-hmm. playing. He's actually contributing a lot of minutes. Last game, he had thirty three. I know that he's been a huge factor ever since the non conference schedule. I look yeah. to him specifically because he's able he's out on the wing. I think he can take advantage of a lot of those matchups. And then I also look to Torean Thompson who comes off the bench. I although he plays limited minutes, I expect him to score efficiently. I expect him to play very well on that end. And I expect him to play pretty well defensively. Offensively, it's been kind of a, a mixed bag, I would say. Because he's able to kind of takes things off the ball he takes things uh, either that or off the bounce and he I don't know how to really describe this but for some reason he just has this ability to score but not finish strongly but he has a lot of touch around the basket he's pretty he's been doing pretty well in that aspect
1: cool cool so we talked about a team in Seton Hall that was in the midst of a losing streak up until recently but let's talk about a team that's on a nine-game win streak right now. That being the Villanova Wildcats. Shockingly enough, they're back atop the Big East Conference. They're eight and zero. They are 8 0 0 they have not looked like they've really missed a beat. They started off with you know that that comeback win against DePaul at home, but ever since then, really, they've been kind of you know doing what they do, doing what they do better than pretty much anybody in this conference since, since realignment, reformation, whatever you want to call it. Um, Who have been? because I, I know one, one player in particular, obviously, that's Phil Booth, but who's been beyond him really the, the driving force behind this this win streak that
2: they're on right now? Obviously, I, as you mentioned already, Phil <laughs> Booth. But yeah. I would always look to uh, Eric Pascal. And then even if I was looking at the young, some of the younger guys, I think just based on the, way, on the play alone, Jermaine Samuels has stepped up in a big way. Yeah, he's not the player we expected him to be, you know, filling in for my, for Mikael Bridges, which is mm-hmm. in itself a huge role to fill. Oh yeah. But in terms of being, I guess, how they use him, which is like a low usage five and an off like an off ball four, he has just surprised me in so many ways that I can't. I really just can't describe it. And I also look to um, Sadiq Bay, who's even coming in was just a ridiculous force.
1: Yeah. So. Um, beyond beyond that, um, looking kind of just at the schedule right now, I know, I, I, I know that, you know maybe we've you know, I, I don't want to say we've under overlooked Villanova because it's impossible to, but you know their their stock was obviously down after they got pummeled by Michigan when they lost to Furman in OT, then they took a loss in the Big Five against Penn, they lost a nail biter to Kansas. Now they're on this nine game win streak. Beyond the the game at Marquette, do you? see this team like possibly finishing with one loss? Do you think that they're that much ahead of the class in front of, in front of everybody else right now?
2: I don't think they're necessarily ahead of the class. I think they prepare well for every sort of matchup. I think the only potential loss I could see is when they're away at Seton Hall.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's just because the Rock, the Rock itself has always been kind of a struggle ever since I've been watching Villanova uh, basketball. But the rest of the schedule is what, a game of Creighton, two games at Mark two games with Marquette, one of which will be home, obviously. And mm-hmm. then it was it's Providence, Xavier, Butler, and St. John's. I think they, I think maybe if St. John's can somehow right the ship against Duke and right the ship somewhere along the schedule right before that game, maybe they they pose a challenge, and maybe that's the nail biter. But I don't really think anyone else can really hold a candle.
1: So, in other words, you probably think that this weekend Villanova is going to take care of business and take down take down Georgetown, who is one two in a row. They're only they're only the third team in this conference right now that's actually at or above five hundred.
2: I think I think they take care of Saint uh, not Saint John, sorry, uh, Georgetown pretty not handily, but they definitely control <laughs> the game. I like their matchups against, uh, offensively and defensively. I think the trust in Javon Quinterly has been fantastic, and in terms of just Phil Booth's ridiculous shot making, half the time I question whether or not he should be taking these shots, and they just happen <laughs> to fall. Just the way Villanova has come together has been astounding to me, and I think the best way to put it is that they've just Phil they've picked up finally where they left off. And Phil Booth and Eric Pascal have just been such great leaders. I just feel like they take care of business against Georgetown.
1: Okay, and one last thing on Booth. Uh, Marcus Howard more than likely is leading the candidacy for biggest player of the year. What would be your odds though that Phil Booth could possibly wrestle it away from him? Because the dude's just been on fire since Biggie's play really started. I mean, he's just playing unbelievable basketball right now. Do you think that he has a, a shot? And if so, how likely do you think that it could be?
2: I don't think it's a huge chance just because Marcus Howard has finally come back into like his into his <laughs> form. It's yeah. really funny because he's actually from Arizona too. <laughs> but and he actually went to school with my, one of my good friends. But I feel like there's no there's a good shot that he takes it away, assuming one of two things happens. One, Phil Booth hits game winner after game winner and a couple of nail biters, probably against Seton Hall, Marquette, and I would say maybe even St. John's or Providence. If Phil Booth were to come in and to be the leading scorer and to be the leading guy for assists, which I believe he already is for Villanova, mm-hmm. and he were to be carrying the load to the Big East tournament, and he were to make and he were to set up with some ridiculous shots during that time period. At the same time, Marcus Howard would have to falter uh, somewhere down the line, which let me just take a quick peek at their schedule. That would have, He'd have to falter against maybe Providence, Seton Hall, or Butler to really kind of swing that vote. And even then, that still leaves room for Shamori Pons. So I'm not confident in Phil Booth winning the Big East Player of the Year. However, I do believe there's a shot that it could happen.
1: I, I figured you would probably agree with the consensus on Howard. I mean, you look at what he's done. He's only he's only got had less than ten points two times, and one of those times he only played three minutes against Georgetown. The other time being when he had eight against St. John's, but that looks like a total anomaly.
2: Yeah, it's the way he's played. Just as even for his size, I mean, he's five eleven too. Yeah. And he's just been lighting it up. <laughs> I, I can't I, I can't describe it. Like it's just. Unprecedented. He's shooting great from three point range, too. Uh, he's shooting like 43, 44%, which is fantastic. And he's been able to, and nationally, he's ranked great for his, his assist rate, his effective field goal percentage. He's still one of the better guys. I mean, in terms of the percentage shots, he's one of the better, more impactful shot takers. I just don't see it getting wrestled away from Marcus Howard unless Marquette is to lose a bunch of games. Villanova is to win a bunch of games and and St. John's to lose as well.
1: Sounds about right to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, um, Rob, do we have anything more here? No, I
0: think that's about it. We we covered a lot here. Um, I think that was uh, really good stuff. Um, Yeah, so Matt, we'll uh, have to have you on again closer to tournament time. But, yeah, thanks for coming on,
2: man. Hey, no problem. Anytime.
1: All right, big thanks to Matt for joining us on the program. Uh, we'll be sure to have him on again. Very insightful analysis on the Seton Hall Pirates, Villanova Wildcats, and, of course, the St. John's-Duke game that's going down tomorrow with Cameron Indoor. That game will be on noon Eastern at e- on ESPN,
0: so Big East gets some ESPN coverage. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the Big East will be discussed a lot in a game that uh, features Duke, Duke is well, in of course, on ESPN never, never with Dick le- Vitale.
1: Never, nevertheless, nevertheless, it's time to shine a light on everybody else. Uh, we can start by talking about the Providence Friars. The big development for the Friars this past week was the fact that they got A.J. Reeves back. Uh, Reeves had, of course, not played in a game since December 7th. A loss to the UMass Minutemen uh, was the last time that we saw him. But he returned to action against DePaul, a game that Providence won 70-67. Reeves scored 11 points, uh, did not make it his one two-point opportunity, but was 3-of-6 three from three-point land, 2-of-3 three from the free-throw line. Played just 11 minutes, so he made those 11 minutes count. You can't yeah. say that he didn't. No, he, he scored, did scored a point per minute, uh, but did struggle against Seton Hall in his second game back. Scored no points in 10 minutes, played Ofer from the field, obviously, had only a defensive rebound and a steal to speak for. Uh, so I guess that's kind of just the give-and-take nature of, you know, getting a guy back into the, into the system here. Because you can tell they're keeping him on sort of a minute's limit. Um, and one game it really worked. One game, unfortunately, for Providence, it did not.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, kind of the strange thing was I believe all of his minutes against Seton Hall were in the first half. Uh, yeah, they were, mm-hmm. which, um, that was interesting, but I think, you know, it's a combined, you know, minutes limit, plus it wasn't working for him, and it, and it wasn't
1: working for him, they were kind
0: of in in the deadlock game, they probably yeah. didn't want to, you know,
1: risk anything, so. Yeah,
0: you yeah, know, eyes on the prize type exactly, of thing, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it was, it was a good week for Providence, obviously, you know, you would have liked to get that Seton Hall win as well, mm-hmm. but, uh you know, the Friars are kind of in that log jam now of Big East teams that are probably fighting for third through 10th in the conference at I this mean, they're,
1: point. they're certainly on a better run of late since January 15th when they knocked off Seton Hall in their first meeting. They've won three of their last five. Compare that to when they lost four of five when, you know, they were mired with losses with to Creighton, Villanova, Georgetown, and Marquette, the lone win being that Seton Hall game. So they've kind of they've kind of flipped everything upside down it's just now they have to you know look towards this weekend when they take on DePaul on Saturday a game that will be played at Wintrust uh they will be hoping to sweep DePaul um for I I would guess you know the, nope they actually did not sweep them last year so no they've the first, uh
0: they've had trouble with DePaul they have had trouble in with the past couple yeah.
1: of years now yep that is that is correct they've they split. They split the series last year. They split the series two seasons ago. Uh, they split the season, seri- season series three years ago as well. Um, their last sweep of DePaul actually came in the two thousand fourteen fifteen season. So they will be aiming to do something they have not done in four years.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, we saw a couple years ago they got to three and six in Big East play and finished ten and eight. Yeah. Um, you know, last year I know they had their struggles early on. I think they were. Five and four at one point. Um,
1: I think the the problem that they face now is just it's not. I think it's a mix of the competition and looking at the schedule. It's a mix of where they have to go because they do have to go to Wintrust. They do have to go to uh, Madison Square Garden to take on St. John's. They have to go to the Pavilion to beat to play to play Villanova. They have to go to Hinkle. They have to go to Omaha to play Creighton. they yeah. play Butler twice in three, their last three games. I know Butler's kind of down, but maybe they'll be able to figure something out by then. Yeah, they do well, still have to play Marquette again. Uh, they fell at the hands of Marquette the last time around in Milwaukee. Golden Eagle is obviously one of the best teams in the Big East. Yeah. And the nation themselves, they've got their work cut out for them.
0: Well, I think the thing is, you know, take it one week at a time, you know, uh, oh, one yeah, game at a time. Yeah, you have DePaul and Georgetown coming up. Those are two winnable games. You yeah. get to 5-5. Five and, five and Especially
1: and considering that they do have Georgetown at home.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you get to 5-5 five and five and then can maybe swing 500 in your uh, last eight games, go 9-9 and nine and yeah. be at, uh, that would put them at 19 wins going into yeah. the Big East tournament. Yeah. I mean, it's...
1: See something happen, make something happen from there. Um, I, I would
0: agree. Yeah, you know, we've talked about their kind of lack of good wins, which was also a problem last year mm mm-hmm. um, Depending on what you think of that Texas game, which well, it didn't Texas, look good, but then they beat Kansas and they have beat. But Purdue. Texas is
1: still twelve and nine, and they're four and four. And be, I, I don't know what to really
0: make of them at all. To be honest with you. Yeah, I didn't realize Texas would beat Kansas and Purdue and, and North Carolina this year. Too, yeah, so. and yeah, they just. Um, yeah, so, I mean... have their And that's before. your best win. You know, they're going to need to pick up a win against a Villanova or Marquette, probably, exactly, at this point. Exactly, yeah. Um, Unless they'll they be auto-bid or bust. Yeah, and because, I, I mean, I think Villanova and Marquette are the two teams at this point that we can say are, you know, safely yes, going safely. to be in. I would think that they're the only ones who are safely in at this point. Yeah. I
1: saw Jerry Palm had Georgetown as one of his first four out. So, mm-hmm. Georgetown is the team that we'll actually talk about next, why don't we? And yes. um, the, the other team that might be the closest to the NCAA tournament at this point. Georgetown, like we had mentioned when we were talking to Matt, the Hoyas are the third team, one of three teams, I should say, in the Big East who is either at 500 or better at this point in the season. Weird how things work. Yeah. Um, but the Hoyas have won two in a row. Uh, they picked up a win against Xavier. On Thursday, despite falling in a nine nothing hole to start the game, um, and then they were trailing by ten with seven sixteen to go in the first half. They were actually trailing by nine with a minute minute and twenty-two in the first half. Their win probability per Ken Bomb at that point was only twenty-nine point eight percent. So they swung that game in the second half. You look at the statistics, they scored twenty-eight points in the first ten minutes of the of the game, of the, not of the game, of the second half.
0: Yeah, it was it was actually a lot like the Georgetown Xavier game uh, in Cincinnati. It was. It earlier was. This it's month. just it, turnabouts, it was, fair play, as yeah. they
1: say. So yeah, <laughs> but Xavier did it to them, and Georgetown returned the favor. Yep. Uh, I I really liked what James Akinjo did. Uh, yeah, the freshman had um,
0: 51. of yeah, their they did last night. They did right, between Akinjo and McClung and, and uh, LeBlanc. Joshua Blanc. Yeah.
1: yeah, Akinjo had 23 points, seven for seven from the free throw line. Four of seven from three, the most three-pointers made out of anyone on, on either side. Um, also, Akinjo had five boards, four assists, and five steals. Five steals, That, that that's something that will jump off the map there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then, like you mentioned, McClung had 11 points. was four of nine on his two-point tries, three of five from three. Got four <coughs> boards and five assists. Did a little bit of everything. Committed no turnovers. turnovers in 28 minutes. Really like to see that, especially out of a freshman Paul Handler. And LeBlanc, you said, 17 points, 8 of 11 from from the field, uh, made one free throw, had four boards, two assists, two blocks, three steals, just one turnover playing 25 minutes of action. All around a very solid performance from the youngsters, really. And, of course, Jesse Govan chipped in 12 points and six rebounds because that's just what Jesse Govan. did. Well, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, at this point, you know, Georgetown – has a game against Butler still at home? They already beat them at Hinkle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they got two games against DePaul. Things are starting to maybe look somewhat favorable for the Hoyas. Um, you know the the non conference schedule isn't great. Uh, their best win is probably Liberty. Liberty, at Liberty. This? yeah,
1: yeah, Liberty. i Which... I'm not even thinking twice. Liberty is their best win because yeah, Liberty, Liberty's, Liberty's in, very in Liberty's good this year. And five and Liberty, but Liberty did lose to Lipscomb yeah. this past Tuesday. Lipscomb actually is a better team than Liberty at this point in mm-hmm. the Atlantic Sun. Uh, Casey Alexander's squad is eight yeah. zero in the A Sun. Um, Liberty, of course, seven and one. Well, Georgetown probably is going to have to hope for that to just be an anomaly and hope to get them back. Although the, their next time they, they play Lipscomb will be on the road on February thirteenth. Um, yeah, so that so, kind of took a little bit of a hit. Yeah. Although you could argue that you know Liberty is. Has Liberty
0: lost to Vanderbilt, they also lost to
1: Austin P. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so even <laughs> their best win doesn't. Mm. Mm. Um, mm.
0: Ken Palm has them at 18 and 13 on the year and 8 and 10 in Big East play. They are projected
1: um, to win thrice more, uh, with <laughs> one kind of coin flip being well, the, their one coin flip being the Butler game. 51%.
0: Yeah, but there's a coin flip loss against DePaul, too. So, yeah, I mean, if that's, the, that's
1: figure, 46%, that's right around if you know, it evens where they out. To, but,
0: yeah, I mean, you know, I think Georgetown has uh, gotten it together of late. Uh, you know, I think the kind of way that they lost to St. John's a couple weeks ago is probably still lingering um, and will linger kind of going forth because uh, that would have been a really nice win for them. Agreed. But, um, you know, tough task. Obviously, going to Philadelphia to play Villanova. Yep, but it's never easy. You know, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. So, um, a team we could kind of touch on here is Marquette. They're eight and one. They played their lone game of the week against Butler. This was their first win at Hinkle since reformation, and they didn't just win; they beat them down. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. The, I, I mean, um, I you know, like like we had mentioned, you know. Going to Hinkle, it's not easy. The game was only 9-7 to after the first 10 minutes, and then they kind of just took off like a bottle rocket. They had two t- two times in this game, the final 10 minutes of the first half, the final 10 minutes of the second half, where they put t- put up 25.
0: Yeah, well, you know, uh, Marcus Howard had 19 points in the first half, and I think 15 of them came in like a five-minute stretch, <laughs> um, you know, in that second quarter of the first yeah. half. Yeah, Um. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're a type of team. Obviously, that uh, they're very good. They're very good. They're very dangerous. Their profile is
1: pretty much good across the board. The only thing they can't really do is force turnovers. Yeah, and they do commit turnovers at a little bit of a high rate. Um, but I mean, all all things considered, in the words of in the words of Stu Villanova Marquette Collision Course next week. Yeah, pay I mean, attention. Uh, I that know. game's gonna
0: be good. I know Chris Dobertine had Marquette as a two seed today. I should have done that with more emphasis, by the way. Villanova, Marquette, collision course. Someone needed to do the ping. Damn, we don't
1: yeah. have that. We don't have that sound bite. Um, yes, other people do. I've heard. Um, <laughs> Anyways, um, going down the ladder here. Uh, we talked about the top five here. Let's talk about Creighton a little bit. <clears throat> Creighton fell to St. John's this past week at home. A very, a, a hugely blowout loss. I would say that's a weird way to phrase it. They, they took a really bad blowout loss, uh, um, yeah, it, it one was of their important. worst home losses, I would imagine, in a really long time. They yes. lost by six, they lost by 16, if my math is correct. And St. I John's it was up by
0: 21, they were up late by 22. And a half, yeah. um, yeah. I mean, you know, I think the kind of same problems with Creighton are manifesting themselves where they just can't really play defense. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, they're, I mean it they're very good offensively, and uh, they just... They're defensive... They're, they're missing Kyrie
1: Thomas. They're missing everybody mm-hmm. that they've had recently. Um, yeah. I mean, I know one guy doesn't make a team, but, you know... I mean, there's obvious bright spots. You know, we talked about them oh, before. yeah, like we talked about Ty- 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 Tyson Alexander, Mitch Balak. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, you, you look down the list. Marcus Zygurowski gave them 13 points um, in, this, in this loss. Uh, of course, Creighton did hold a 20-14 to 14 lead at one point in the first half, but saw that sail away from them. Um, Davion Mintz only scored scored one point, but did have seven assists, so he was able to contribute in that area. But yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, it's just a def- defensive woes, really. And yeah. I know we're going to probably address this later in the questions, but I don't think that, you know, this is a situation where you probably need to fire Greg Dermott. No. Plenty of more leniency coming his way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so now that we've continued on down this journey here, we do have uh, two more teams to talk about, and I believe we'll be just about to do that with our with our pal VJ.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so we will be right back with him to join us here on the Big East Coast Podcast. All right, we're back here on the Big East Coast Podcast, and as promised, we're joined by our friend Vijay. Vijay, how's it going up there?
3: Uh, it's pretty cold out here in Chicago, um, <laughs> but uh, it's been I've been doing well. It's uh, the Big East is. You know, it's fun. Like I don't I don't know how well you could say some of these like teams in the middle of pack are doing, but you know, it's been more fun in recent years than recent years.
1: Yeah, I I would certainly agree. It's also obviously very cold down here in Saint Louis too, so we're certainly feeling the pain that you're feeling too.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it's bitter
3: cold. Um, it's hard to walk outside sometimes. But you know it's, at least we got basketball to warm us up. <laughs> it, was,
0: it was the warmest day of the week today. It was. Yeah, it
3: was. It's going to be 40 on yeah. uh, Super Bowl Sunday. So yeah. might yeah. as well go to the beach. Heat come <laughs> coming. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right.
1: Um, speaking of cold, we're going to be talking about three teams, not two as I said before, three teams who are actually mired in some cold streaks right now. We'll start off with Butler. Uh, the Bulldogs have lost their last three in a row Two of which have actually happened at home. Uh, the most recent loss coming at the hands of Marquette, who handed them an 18-point defeat. Uh, one of their worst losses, I would imagine, in recent memory. Uh, and also the first time that Marquette, first time that Marquette had defeated Butler at Hinkle since realignment happened. Um, we talked about this the last time you were on here, VJ. Um, mm-hmm. It seems that you know Butler is still. Beyond Kamar Baldwin, they're just looking for more scoring because they, they got 16 from Baldwin, but they got 10 from Sean McDermott and 10 from Paul Jorgensen. No one else got into double figures, and even 16 points, it's a good amount, but you know it's not the type of production that Keelan uh, was mm-hmm. giving Butler while he was there. So would you say that this is just you know pretty much what you would have expected them to do on this three-game stretch?
3: Yeah, I mean, if you look at the teams that they played, they obviously played Villanova and they played Marquette. I mean, two of the toughest teams in the Big East. So getting doesn't—I mean, this season, like as we know, like Villanova's still the cream of the crop, um, and Marquette's been absolutely fantastic. So I mean, two losses at home like that, no big deal. Although it is Butler, they do have that aura around Hinkle Fieldhouse where you know it is a fortress. We defend the fortress, so. You know, losing by 8 to Villanova wasn't really a bad thing, but losing by 18 to Marquette, looks it looks really, really bad. And a lot of it does come down to, like what you said, a lot of it is like the, um, the lack of scoring that's coming from most of these guys. Like you said, like, you know, McDermott only had 10. He was 1 of 6 from 3. Uh, Kamar Baldwin, he did have 16, but the rest of the team, the rest of the starting lineup only combined for 16 points was exactly the same output as Baldwin. Um, and their bench too, like, you know, they had three guys play more than 10 minutes and their combined output from two of the guys that were not Jorgensen were six points. Um, and the thing was, Marquette <laughs> didn't shoot that well either. Like, Marcus Howard only took five threes, which is very, like, an unlike Marcus Howard game. So it is concerning moving forward that, you know, Butler did lose by 18. But like you said, I think this is what is expected because they have, Butler has been struggling offensively, which, and they have been, like, you know, fighting side. like, Sorry, I was looking at the box score. Sorry. Oops. Um, but Butler was, like, you know, it's tough to, for them to generate offense, and that's just been the name of the, name of the game so far for, for Butler, and they, as they said last in the Big East. It's interesting because
1: it's not as if they're ranked, like, you know, on Kempom at least as one of the worst teams in the country. They rank 51st. Their profile is pretty solid. I mean, beyond the fact that, you know, they haven't really been able to rebound all that well in the offensive glass. Uh, they're, they haven't been able to get to the free throw line a lot, although their free throw percentage is among the best in the nation, at least it's 74th. Um, it's in the top 100, or 75 at least. Uh, so, and their defense, you know, they're 77th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Some of their metrics are a little worse for wear. Um, so, it's it's sort of interesting, like, would you just say that, like, I would say they're bad, but would, would you just say that they just don't have it kind of in them as we head into the month of February to kind of Compete with the rest of the Big East, and where do you foresee them finishing at this point?
3: Um, I don't <laughs> see them finishing last. That's for sure. I yeah. can make that. That doesn't sound like a bull take, but it's not really like. Um, I think they'll pick it up because you know they have shown these offensive off- outputs where, like, you know, they did score 80 against St. John's. They put up 87 against DePaul. Like they put they put up 84 against Creighton in their like their first meeting on January 5th. So Butler does have it in them to score these, but like more often than not, we're seeing that be like anomalies in their season because there's just games where they get absolutely like, you know, blown out of the gym and they just can't seem to score. And like, you know, historically, Butler has been like a program that like, you know, is not always like as of recently, it has been one guy, but it's usually like more team oriented. But now you're just seeing that like, you know, in this modern day and age, you need guys that are able to score off isolation and Butler just doesn't have that right now. They just don't have guys that are able to, like you know, get you a bucket when needed, when you're slipping, when you're trying to stop a run. So it's been really tough. It's been really tough to watch this Butler basketball team because, like, you know, it's fun to watch them and Hinkle in Hinkle and, like you know, like I said, like in that fortress. But they're just not able to score, and games are just getting out of hand really quickly.
1: Sure. So another, we go from one team that's had offensive struggles to a team that has had its fair share of defensive struggles. That being Xavier. Musketeers are mired in a four-game losing streak right now. They have gotten off to a start of three and six in Big East play, and like I like I said, their their defensive problems are among the worst in the Big East. I would have to imagine, um, and you know, in the nation, they're ranked 302nd in three-point defense. In their last, in three of their last four games, they've given up 80-plus. Kind of a d- different staple because you know most of these most of these Xavier teams the past two years. Um, have been very solid defensively. Uh, it's kind of been their profile, so to speak. So, um, I, I guess this is sort of just a similar question. Just like, do you foresee them coming to, co- this, these problems coming to an end at this point in the season, or can we just write them off at this point?
3: Um, obviously, it's been <laughs> tough for Xavier. Like you know, it's transition. Sad. Anytime we lose. You know, a lot of guys, and you lose your coach. Like, Chris Mack, you're obviously going to lose a lot of your identity. Definitely so, a draw. lot of it was their identity it was, you know, tough nose defensive. Uh, we're going to grind out. We're going to make you grind for points. Um, so, I feel like they've lost it. Uh, they have some nice games coming up. I mean, like, you know, DePaul is on the schedule. Um, you have some games, maybe, you know, probably, you could probably see. Like, they have two back-to-back games against Creighton. I think those are the ones that... Um, I'm think like don't, like if they are not able to fix it by the end of this three game stretch where they're at Creighton versus DePaul and then two straight home games against DePaul and Creighton, then I think we can write them off. But for now, I'm still trying to you know at least me personally still trying to hold on to this like you know old Xavier mentality of oh like you know we can like they can st- they can still fix it defensively, but it's not been good. Like you said, like you know looking at their Ken Palm, like they're 171st in the country, and if you're a team in the Big East and you're 170th something, like that's not good at all. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: I would agree. And, you know, I, I think from, from there we can kind of go right to DePaul. Uh, Blue Demons are 3-6 and six as well. They've lost their last three. Although I think it's fair to say that, you know, and I don't want to because I feel like we do this all the time with DePaul, but it feels like they've been pretty competitive in those games. But, you know, they, <laughs> they did lose by 12, of course, to Villanova at their last go-around on Wednesday. Uh, when they faced Providence this weekend, Um, at home, what are you looking for to see them kind of get out of this this bad stretch of play that they're in right now?
3: Um, I'm just looking (laughs) for guys to continue, like, just better better defense, I would say. Like, you know, obviously giving up 86 to Villanova, it's Villanova. But, like, the thing with DePaul, like we always talk about, is that, like, you know, we're saying, like, you know, at least they're competitive. So, I mean, this is, like, this is the output of what happens when you're a really bad basketball program for, like, a month, like, eight or eight or nine years, like, yeah. it, it starts with these slow stepping stones. So you obviously, like, these games against Providence, these games against teams like, you know, maybe an Xavier or like a Butler-Georgetown, like, th- these are the games that you have to win. So when I'm looking at <coughs> um, things for them to improve on, obviously I'm looking for Eli Kane to probably step up. Obviously he had a big game against Villanova, but against these winnable, so-and-so winnable games for DePaul, he had six against Providence. That needs to step, that needs to, like, you know, be, be a lot better. Max Trues only had 10 against Providence. Um, Femi Olojobi has been um, absolutely fantastic. He's come out of nowhere, to be honest. Like, he wasn't playing a lot to begin with. And all of a sudden, um, Dave Latao, like, put him in the starting lineup. And all of a sudden, he starts, he's, like, you know, the scars, scores, doubles, double figures. Paul Reed has really become a big factor in this, um... So what I'm looking for is more balanced scoring from DePaul because, like, you know, for the past few years, all we've been saying is, oh, Max Struess has to shoot them into games and he has to keep them into games. Well, now that's not the case because Olajobi is showing that, like, you know, he can give them an inside scoring presence. Reed is dropping, like, he dropped 20 points against Providence and I believe he dropped around probably – he only dropped six against Villanova. So, like, as you see, he's a little bit up and down. But I'm just looking for more balanced scoring and – Probably better second halves because, you know, as we've seen with DePaul, like, you know, they start off really well, but then they just fade down the stretch.
1: All right. Well, um, Rob, if there's nothing else that uh we can discuss here in your opinion, uh, I think that uh we can wrap this up. Here. Yeah, no, uh, I
0: think we uh I think we covered everything pretty well. Uh yeah, no, that was good. Uh yeah, VJ, thanks for coming on and uh, you know, we'll definitely have you back on in the future. Thank you so much, guys. Pleasure to be on.
1: Okay, big thanks to VJ once again for joining us on the show. And now it is time to outro us. So let's discuss the questions that we were asked today on the feed. Um, VJ actually asked us to compare each Biggie's team to an attitude era WWE wrestler. Uh, I think we could say that for possibly a post idea.
0: What do yeah, you think? yeah, I think. Uh... That's definitely something that uh, we need to go longer for. No, it probably should be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Or The Rock. One of the two.
1: Yeah. Um, Okay. Gregory Herms wants to know if we're aware of any qualified ADs in the Big East who might be persuaded to take over at DePaul. We need to hire a search firm to figure that out. It's true. That's my answer to that. Um, Another person, QD at White Buns, wants to know what's the deal with. uh, JLP, can we get someone else? Maybe do a Black Panther style waterfall election? <laughs> I do like that idea.
0: Good idea. Um, but again, need to you know, hire a search firm. That's all I'm going to say. Um, we got a couple here from uh, Pistol Brad. What is Marquette's record over the next two games? Well, uh, I don't think they're going to beat Villanova, but I think they're going to beat St. John's. So you think they're going to go 1-1, yeah. You know what? I'm going
1: to call my shot. I'm going to say they're going to go 2-0. Oh, wow. I think they're going to go 2-0. and
0: yeah, I, mean, I think they're going to be, be
1: they're going to beat Villanova at home, but they're going to lose to Villanova on the road on February 27th. Yeah, that's They'll fair. Split. That's fair. They'll split. That's my answer. Um, also, Gregory Hearn's wants to know what coach can replace Dave Laidow without disturbing the incoming recruiting I, class. Again, don't know.
0: Yeah, it's, it's you're running a risk there. Yeah, um, you're running a huge risk. Got one here from Evan FD Jones: Is Georgetown too reliant on the three, or is that just basketball these days? You know, I I think it's just basketball, but. If you look at their roster construction next year, it's a lot of big men. More big men than you would expect. Uh, you know, it, it's you know, interesting
1: they, that... Um, yeah, I, I do agree because it's a th- it's three p- three centers right
0: now. So, yeah, they got the one earlier it. this yeah. week. Uh, they got uh, yeah, been coming in yeah. as a transfer. So I think exactly. it's four centers. Actually. Four centers. So, yeah. um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of different than what kind of traditionally has been going on in basketball over the past five years. But... You know, I don't even know for sure that they're necessarily taking too many more threes. No, they're
1: they're not. Um,
0: I mean, it it's, it's be, up a little bit from last per- year. It but may just
1: be perspective more than perception more than anything because um, their three point attempt rate is only 178th in the country. It's actually technically below average. 38.5 percent. The average is 38.7 yeah. percent. They're just making a lot of three points. Yeah,
0: it's they're attempting more than last year, but not to the point where. You know, it's, they are completely reliant on it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, their, their
1: three-point rate is up by 2%, or 3%, I should say, this year.
0: Yeah. But
1: it's not. they're not super heavily reliant on it, I would say, no. Yeah. But I, if they were, I would say yes, they are. Um, it is just like basketball these days. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Allsman wants to know if Butler's de- destined to finish in the cellar of the Big East. Define the cellar. So I think they might play on Wednesday, but I think they could end up with the seventh seed. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say they're going to finish in the bottom three. Um, that's just me. And Gregory Herms also wants to know if Paul Reed and Romeo Weems will make the 2019 20 preseason all conference list.
0: I definitely think it's possible. Uh, I don't remember too many freshmen being on the preseason all conference yeah, list. Yeah. Weems
1: certainly is, um,
0: but, is pretty talented. But, yeah.
1: You know, it depends on who comes back and who's there. It's always fluid and whatnot. Yeah. Um.
0: I know we had a question about Greg McDermott, which we kind of already addressed earlier. We did. We um, did. As far as, you know, he's he's fine. Yep. Um, St. Vinny D. Hoops wants us to power rank the Big East coaches. <laughs> I, You know, I, it's that's something that I think we need a little uh, more time to yeah, map out here. Yeah, another post idea. So but, uh, we have like three post ideas. Yeah, so I mean, that's,
1: that's a good thing. We, we will we'll be sure to put out some content on these questions that you're asking us, us guys. So... Thank you very much for doing so and giving us ideas. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so if that's about that's about it, really, because uh, we can we kind of discussed most of the games that are coming upcoming this weekend. Um, in case you're wondering, uh, Villanova will play Georgetown on Sunday. Marquette will next plan play Tuesday against St. John's. Um, St. John's, speaking of, will go to Duke on Saturday. Seton Hall will go to Butler. Um, on Sunday, Creighton plays Xavier. They host them at, at, in Omaha. Providence is going to DePaul on Saturday. Also on and also on Sunday. Well, actually, no, that's that's about it. Actually, I should say because DePaul's playing. Yeah, DePaul's playing Providence, mm-hmm. and yeah. Okay, that's that's all. That's all. It's that's, uh, coming up this weekend. Sorry yeah. For
0: stuttering there, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um
1: So yeah, uh, if you want to take us out here.
0: Yeah. Um, that'll do it for. Another week of the Big sure. East Coast podcast. Um. I'm Chris.
1: That's Rob. Thank you for listening. As always, be sure to follow us at ECBS underscore SPM, But you already know that if you listen to this podcast. Well, it's, yeah. It's pretty much the only way you can access it. Yep. So thanks again.